Hello. Um, I love being here. Um, it's an honor because the only reason all of us are here um, is simply because Jesus loves us. Like, it's, it's like brutally that simple, that honest. Jesus loves us. And I could be done after that. After that, we're done. Sermon's done. Jesus loves us. And there is something that is so simple about the idea that Jesus loves us, that, that, that like, that's one of the first Christian songs our, 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 our kids are taught. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, but there also is something that's really profound about those, uh, the, those things, that Jesus loves us, those three words, Jesus loves us. And it's, it's the idea of, like, first of all, if you begin to pick apart the idea of, like, who is Jesus? And then how do you define what it is to love? And then who are we? Who am I? Do you know what I mean? Like, those are three actually complex things. Like, so if I started to describe myself, who I think I am, I am going to talk about someone who is first a physical being. I'm thinking about myself as as someone who is very emotional, um, someone who is spiritual, um, someone who is complex, someone who is soul, you know, it goes on and on and on, and I don't even know what a soul is, and I don't, I can't explain my body, so if Jesus loves me, it's like, who is he actually loving? Like, does he see me and say, yes, I love him for who is body? No, probably not, but does he include that, or, or does he see my heart, and he says, yes, I love his heart, or his soul, or his emotions, or me like what am I and who are you and so so when we say we gather here because Jesus loves us and then what is love like what does that include like that is one of the most complex things I think but it's this thing that gets tossed around always like so every time you hang up the phone you're talking to someone right you Tell them, I love you. Or, or when you go to work, you know, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Right? And you say it so much that it just falls to the ground and it oftentimes just has no value at all. But it does because we say it. Right? There are those three things that are so common. I love you. That is really, really profound, but often at the same time is really empty. Right? Because what is love? What is love? And, 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 and just, I mean, like, I love the idea of love and talking about this topic because simply it is something that seems so poetic and deep and confusing because people are great at explaining lots of things. Like, people are brilliant. I think people are brilliant. Like, people can explain the, the color of the sky and why the sky is blue because of the th particles in the air and how the light hits the particles and it turns blue. We understand photosynthesis. We understand how to grow food, which is brilliant. We understand how to like, like talk about DNA and comets and we can send people to, 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 to other planets. Like people are brilliant and people can explain how our bodies function, how they function and our, our bones are grown and we're able to explain uh, professional sports and we're, you know, like all this stuff. 
but you can't explain how or what love is. Like, science can't do that for us. Like, it can't speak the vocabulary of love. Like, people can explain everything else, but they can't tell me why or how to love. It can't tell me what, to explain, like, why I feel certain things that I feel, like happiness, sorrow, joy, anger. You can't explain that. So no matter how brilliant we are, we're not able to explain the language of the human heart. And that's why the Bible is so brilliant, because it can. It can. It can, and it does, and it does it well. Since we're all here for the simple, the simple idea that Jesus loves us, it is a good idea for us to kind of dig into that. Plus, we're also here because we love each other. And it's good for us to dig into that too. So our church is doing a sermon series called Three Little Words. Thank you. Um, three Little Words, you know, which typically are, I love you. But the sermon series is going to pull that apart, and we're going to talk about how to actually practice love. And it's, it's I see you, I hear you, I serve you, I bless you. And those are going to be the four parts of the series. And so today is all about I see you, I see you. And this is going to be one of the foundations aspects of what it is to love. And since it's important to kind of have this foundational understanding of the de definition of what it is to love, so I thought it'd be cool to begin in 1 Corinthians. So it's going to show up here. How about we all say this together? And this is God's definition of love. Here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. That should be a song by, like, Chicago. Anyway, um, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Like, when you hear that, it's like love is kind. Love is patient. It's slow to anger. It's, it, it never fails. It perseveres. It's never boasting. It's never prideful. Like, like you hear all that stuff, and, and when you hear that, does that define how you love? Like, think about that. Is that defining how you parent your kids? Like, you, you are patient, and you are kind, and you are slow to anger. You're killing it, you know? Like, like and it never fails, and, and, and you're all, you know, like, like, you're on top of it. Is that how you and your husband are towards each other? You are patient. You are kind. You're not prideful. You're not boasting. You're serving, like, like think about that, like, does this define how you treat your friends? Does this define how you treat the others that you don't know, that, that you just go out and you are this beacon of love, patience, kindness, perseverance, slow to anger? You know, like, is this you? 
The odds are probably not, right? Because that's not how people are programmed to be. This goes against our very, like, human DNA. So if that doesn't define you, it's okay. No worries. However, this is one of the beautiful things about being a Christian, is that Jesus grabs us by the hand and says, I want to teach you things. Right? And so today in this sermon series, it's all about being taught by Jesus on how to love. And this passage from 1 Corinthians should inspire us. So every time you say, I love you before you hang up the phone, do you mean that? So every time you say, I love you before you go to your job, do you mean that? And do the things you say actually embody your actions in your heart? This should be inspiring. So, personally, I thought, since the, the theme of today is I see you, and since the Bible is all about paradox and, and just contradictory fun things, I thought the topic of I see you could be best explained by going and and. and st- studying the people in the Bible who actually cannot see, the blind men, okay? So so today's people of topic are going to be the blind people in the Bible, and they are going to teach us how to see, right? All right, so um, turn turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. This passage is the the story. Story in chapter 18. Um, there is a blind guy. He's just outside of Jericho, and Jesus is passing by this blind man. In the 18th chapter, something to um, just kind of foreshadow a bit um, there has been a ton of things that have happened. There has been 18 chapters that have happened here in this gospel, but the thing that hasn't happened at this point is people have not said, by any like definite terms, who Jesus truly truly is. But people have been asking, who is he? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? I don't know. Who is he? Chapter 18 is the first time that someone sees Jesus for who he is and calls it out. Here he is. So help me out with this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging when he heard the crowd going by. He asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. He was, sorry, I caught up. (laughs) Praising God when all the people saw him. He was also praising God. So here's this story. There is a blind guy outside of Jericho and Jesus and this whole group of people is passing by. 
The first 18 chapters here in this gospel is all about these brilliant things that Jesus has taught, Jesus has done, healings that have happened, and people saw it firsthand. And the whole time, all these people who saw the things that Jesus had done, they are asking, who do you think he is? Who is he? Who do you think he is? And Jesus himself, he is going and he's like, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? And everyone is saying, I don't know. Right? And so then here we come to Jericho and there's this blind beggar. That means he can't see. Right? He cannot see. And Jesus is coming by. And the entourage is coming by. And the blind man, because he cannot see, he asks, tell me what's going on. What is happening? And someone says, Jesus is coming by. I have to assume at this point that the blind man has heard about Jesus. He has heard about the things that everyone else has seen. He has heard about all the the teachings that have been taught. He has heard about all the miracles that have happened. He has heard about Jesus. And honestly, he has heard enough because whenever Jesus is passing by, this blind man starts going nuts and he starts screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this is the first time that the term son of, son of David gets thrown out there. That is to say, you are the Messiah. And that is the first time in this gospel that anyone said, here's who you are. Everyone else in this gospel has asked, who is he? Who is he? I don't know. I've seen him. I don't know. I've heard him. I don't know. But the guy who calls out beyond a shadow of a doubt, I see you and I know who you are, is the blind man. It would go to almost say that everyone who has actually seen Jesus and seen all the things that he has been doing and heard all, they actually were blind to who he was. But because of this man's blindness, he was actually able to see Jesus. In, totally enough to call it out. And people rebuked him and said, you be quiet. Rebuke, that's a word. <laughs> they rebuked him and, uh, and be quiet. And he said, no. And it says that he began shouting out louder because he knew. Okay, so if he kind of knew, you know, like, I kind of know this was Jesus, he'd be probably, okay, I'll be quiet, right? But he knew because of the things that he had seen, he knew. And when people said, be quiet, he said, no. And he said it louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The other thing I think is interesting is he didn't say, Jesus, son of David, help me see. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the entourage stops. And Jesus comes before him. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? This, I think, is interesting. Like, if you think about it, this is interesting because it's obvious, right? This guy can't see. And here is Jesus, son of God, who says, what do you want me to do for you? Why? 
because he sees what no one else sees. Jesus doesn't see a blind man. He sees a whole person. He sees a whole person. He doesn't assume like, oh, I'm going to just fix the thing that everyone thinks is broken, right? What do you want me to do for you? Because when Jesus sees people, he sees a whole person. He saw his heart. He saw his emotions. He saw his body, absolutely. He saw his, the eyes. He saw, he saw his happiness, his sorrow, his struggle, his poverty. Jesus saw this man. And seeing this man, he sees more than just blindness. He sees a story. He sees, like, truly, here's a g guy who has a bigger story than just he was blind. He, he had parents. He was born. His mother celebrated her pregnancy. Like, he had birthdays. He had friends. He possibly had brothers. Like, like, think about, like, all the things that we bypass, and how did he end up here? What do you want me to do for you? He was seen. And then the blind man says, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. And then Jesus in kind says, you will have your sight. Your faith has healed you. Because you saw me, I saw you. And in this scene interaction, there is healing that is taking place. And this blind man begins praising God. And he begins, and everyone in the entourage begins worshiping God through the seen interaction from the blind man who hadn't been seen to Jesus who hadn't been seen. I mean, if you think about it, like, there's a lot of blindness happening here. These people that were his best friends were blind to what the situation truly was. And the only one who saw him was someone who was blind. Have you ever been seen in such a profound situation? Like, have you been seen without having to explain yourself like that? That is something that captivates the heart. Um, so this past uh, summer, I took a trip to, uh, to Anchorage, and then I drove down to Seaward, and then down to Homer, and, and then I got on this tiny little fishing boat to go out and fish. And so I had this boat, we hired this captain with this tiny little boat. We had him for a 10-hour time period. And um, so my friend, who he and I have been through everything together. He and I grew up together. We hunt together. We backpack together. We, we know each other so well. It's disgusting. And uh, he and I are on this tiny little fishing boat, and there's this captain uh, who Grew up there. His family was from there. He has this big gray beard. He was like hardcore. And it was just the two of us and the captain on this tiny fishing boat. And it was awesome. And so we are going out and we actually sail for about four hours. We're going deep into the, well, it's not that super deep. It's four hours into the ocean. And so we're going four hours into 
the ocean, and then it starts to get like pretty choppy, right? And I'm thinking, yes, like this is like the thing that I fantasize about, like being on a tiny boat, it's Alaska, I got this captain who's hardcore with a big gray beard, and he's not personable, and I'm fishing with my best friend, and it's like, this is good, you know? And I'm like, crying. You know those times that you're like, yeah, you know, I'm crying because like God is good. And, and so, so Joel and I began to fish and, and the, the two of us are bringing in these big fish halibut and it's just like, it's killer. But then it begins to snow. It's the summer, Alaska, and it starts to snow. And I'm thinking, yes, you know, like this is what I fantasize about. This is my dream come true. And, but the boat just starts going for it. And the captain says, well, it's pretty bad out. I think it's time to go back. And my friend Joel's like, no, man, it's cool. You know, KJ and I are hardcore, you know, that kind of thing. And the captain was like, okay. So he is, so the boat's staying out there, this whole thing's going, and, and it's like snowing heavy now, and they're, like, it's like crashing on deck, and I'm like getting drenched, and there isn't a cabin on the boat, and I'm standing there on the side of the boat, and my hands are holding on to something, and then I start to think, I'm cold, like, I am cold, and, man, so the, so, Joel begins to ask, hey, is everything all right? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And the captain said, he's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. He's just getting seasick. But then I got colder. And the first thing that happens when I go through something hard is I can't talk. Like, it's just like, boom. And so I started to get colder, and then it's like, oh, no, I can't talk. And then, like, I started getting soaked, and I'm stuck there, and the captain's like, oh, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And then Joel's like, he's not fine. KJ, are you okay? And I'm like staying there in my head. I'm screaming, I'm freezing, but I'm just going like this. And so the captain's like, I've seen hypothermia before. He's fine. No big deal. No big deal. You know, like this guy with the bigger, no big deal. He's fine. Just look at him. He's fine. He's just seasick. And my friend Joel, he turns, turns my head and he stares me in the the eyes. And he's like, KJ, are you okay? And I didn't say anything. And he said, I got you. I couldn't say anything. And I was frozen. And it was like my bones were about to break. And I was starting to get hot in the inside, which is a bad thing if you have hypothermia. And so my friend and the captain was like, oh, you guys, you know, you're from Colorado. You know, like that whole thing. And it's like, no, he's, yeah. So anyway, my friend throws me on the ground. He takes off my shirt. He gets on top of me. And then he starts, because he knows who I am, he starts saying everything I need to hear. He said, this would be awesome to die out here, but this isn't going to happen today. And then he said, and then he went on, he's like, you're a good dad. You are a good father. You are a good man. And you haven't shot a grizzly bear yet. You're not dying out here yet. Like he knew my, you know, I was like, and then he started like affirming me. I'm getting you home. I'm getting you home. I'm getting you home. And the whole time he just 
played on me and affirmed me, just telling me the things I needed to hear. He saw me. After four hours of this, we pulled up on shore and that captain said, the two of you have been through a ton of crap. And my friend Joe was like, yes, I know him. And whenever I think about a situation that I felt seen, like totally seen, I think of that situation that I couldn't talk. I didn't know what I had to have, but my friend grabbed me by the shoulders and said, I got you. From the perspective of the captain, I was totally fine. On the outside, I was fine. My outsides are typically fine. But in my inside, I knew I was dying and I couldn't do anything about it. This is a very common human situation, poetically speaking. Our outsides seem to be fine, but our insides are unseen. Think about the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was called Saul. Saul had been like a chief Pharisee, which is like he was a professional holy person. He was brilliant. He did everything correct. And he, he thought that he saw everything so clearly. He was a great persecutor of, of people who followed Jesus because he was a defender of the temple. He was a defender of the Torah. And like, he was following God. He was a defender of God. And so he persecuted Christians. And he was proud of it. And then there was this time that Paul was going on a trip and he encounters Jesus for the first time. Here it is. Help me out. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city. You will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, but they heard the sound, but did not see anything. Saul got up from the ground and opened his eyes, but he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. All right, so here's the story of the second blind man. The apostle Paul, like the great church planner himself. Paul was this chief Pharisee who thought he had it all figured out, and he kind of did. Like everyone saw him as the expert. He saw people for who they tr truly were, and he was a defender of the faith, except he was blind, right? And so he goes, he's going on this journey, and he encounters Jesus. And there's this big, bright light that happens. Poof. And then Paul falls down and he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And so this whole thing happens. And when Jesus is gone, Paul or Saul is blinded. And during the time that he is blind, there is a huge conversion process that takes place place. It was almost as if because Paul could see before, he was actually blind. And 
Jesus made him blind so he could actually see. Because the things that he could see was actually keeping him from experiencing the truth and the heart of the gospel which I think is really brilliant. And Paul, through this experience and through the things that he was taught during this this exposure to the gospel, during his blindness, he became the greatest church planner of all time. Half the Bible was by his hand. Like, this guy was killing it. But he was blind before he was blind. And he could not see until he could see. Until he encountered Jesus and Jesus showed up as this bright light. He's often talked about as he is the light. And John, he often talks about that Jesus, he is the light. Help me out. The light of the world, right? Here it is. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you think about that, so think about the, the essence of light by the thing that it truly is. Do you actually ever see it? Can you see light? No. You can see everything, though, that it touches. That's like the point of it. You can't see light, but light is, by, is the thing by that you are able to see. It gives you the opportunity to see things, but you can't actually see it. If you think about it, in this term of Jesus being the light of the world, this would then mean that the world is dark, right? So that's pretty obvious. The world is dark and Jesus is the light of the world, right? So if the light is the thing by which you are able to see, think about this, that Jesus illuminates the world so it can be seen, It is dark apart from Jesus. Jesus, the light, is the mechanism and the ability to see things that have been unseen. This is actually pretty profound. Our goal in seeing is to see the things that are actually there. A core principle is, can you actually see anything of truth outside of Jesus, if Jesus is truly the light of the world. If Jesus is the light of the world, he illuminates things that you have not been able to see before. Apart from Jesus, it's as if you are the entourage seeing things, but you actually aren't seeing Apart from Jesus, you could be like the Apostle Paul, seeing things totally wrong. The poetry of this is saying simply, apart from seeing things through Jesus, you are blind. You're in the dark. What you have to ask, what would it be like to see things through the light of Jesus? This isn't this simple, like, child's play type of theology, the light of Jesus. What would it be like to see things through the light of Jesus compared through just the simple, profound darkness that is? 
have you ever seen someone through the light of Jesus? Have you like pursued seeing things that Jesus has illuminated people's hearts? Have you ever seen your spouse through the light of Jesus? Is it possible you have never actually seen your spouse before because they have been in the dark Is it possible that you have never seen your children before because you never allowed them to be illuminated by Jesus and you never let the light show you who they are? Is it possible you've never seen your kids? Is it possible that you have never seen your best friend before because you have not allowed the light of Jesus to shine on them and to see them for who they are? Have you ever seen their soul, their emotions, their heart, their body, them as a whole person as Jesus saw the blind man? And beyond that, like, have you ever seen people before? Like, have you ever let the light of Jesus shine on people who have have typically just been in the dark for you? But the light of Jesus illuminates things that you have never seen before. In the Bible, it's paradoxical because the blind see. And those who see are often blind. How many of us are you, am I, actually blind? And Jesus is shining his light everywhere. And people are saying, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? Do you love me? And so for those of us who have spouses or kids or best friends or deep friendships or just those of us who are in Christ, who, who like his heart defines us, it's the essence of love. And so if you're challenged by the idea of like, how do I see people in the light of Jesus compared to the darkness of how it's always been, but I thought it was light and obvious, what would it be like to truly see people through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of the gospel? What would happen in your own heart? Probably that passage that's there in 1 Corinthians will begin to make more sense. Here it is again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When you see people for who they really are, their heart, their soul, their emotion, when you see people as whole, Those things such as kindness, patience, slow to anger, perseverance, forgiveness, they just come naturally because the heart of love just spews out because love is the thing that defines Jesus. Like truly, he is patient. He is kind. He doesn't keep 
back of the things you have done wrong. He always forgives. He isn't prideful. He does not boast. I mean, like, like this is Jesus. And when you put your heart alongside his, these things begin to make sense. What would it be like to see people and not just all people, and that would be awesome, but that's pretty complex and that'd be hard, but just even the people in this space, what would it be like to actually see people in here or the person you're sitting by? Have you actually seen them? Have you actually seen yourself? Think about the light of Jesus because whenever the light of Jesus touches something and allows you to see it, the heart of God comes so naturally because the truth truly is is that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And may you be people who say, I love you more than you ever have before because it just comes so easily. Some of us here have the desire to love better and to see better, but it's just hard to see people. I get it. At that point, the posture of the blind man is beautiful. Whenever you understand that you are blind and you own it and you want to see people, call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He'll ask you, how can I help you? You say, Lord, I want to see. He honors a heart like that. When you ask God, how can I see others better? I want to love like you love. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There are others here that are similar to Saul who think that, 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 that things have been easy to see and things are very clear. And in fact, we're actually blind. At that point, the thing that would be super awesome to happen is if Jesus just took a baseball bat and went whap (laughs) so that our hearts might be open a bigger heart to see the things that we have not been able to see the hearts of people and his heart for everyone we encounter Jesus himself is the expert at seeing everything Jesus is the expert at saying I see you Because the essence of the gospel was inspired because he saw you and said, you need me, (laughs) right? This is like the catalyst of the gospel. Jesus seeing you, you as a whole being, your body, your soul, your heart, your past, your present, your future, says, I need you and you need me. We belong together. What would it be like to join him in seeing and being ambassadors of the gospel, of the kingdom, bringing hope and life to everyone that you actually see? This is the foundation of love. And it has everything to do with the place your heart is in and the place it's pointed towards and the interaction between Jesus and you and your ability to see the things that no one else can see. 
because the heart is not easily understood or explained. But thank God Jesus gets it. So for those of you who want to love better, because we all do, Jesus is the light of the world. And outside of him, you will not see anything. Please pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for your heart for us and that you teach us to love. God, we thank you that you are here and you are doing things inside of our heart. God, help us to see things. Help us to see our our spouses, our families, our children, our friends, our bosses. Help us to see those that we have never seen before. Help us to see the truth of the things you are doing. God, invite us in. What are you doing? Jesus, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for seeing us and coming and pursuing and fighting and persevering and being patient and for being kind and for not failing. Jesus, thank you for seeing us, for being patient with us, for pursuing us, for not keeping track of our things that we have done incorrectly, for pursuing, being patient, persevering, loving us. Jesus, thank you for seeing us and loving us. You do not fail. God, we thank you for the things that you are doing. Thank you for fighting. So the, the cup and the bread, um, the act of communion is a poetic embodiment of the fact that Jesus saw us. He saw us and he says, you need this. And his body was broken and his blood was spilled because you were seen. And the table is this place. And it is something that is said that Jesus prepared for his church. It's this place of hospitality. It's our home base. It's whenever you forget or when you feel unseen or alone or by yourself or no one gets you, there was a table that was prepared for you because you were seen and you are not alone. The broken body of Christ was given so that you could live And the spilled blood of Jesus was shed so that your sins would be forgiven because you were seen and you will never be alone. Through these things, may you come to see others as he has seen you. So so as this song plays, feel free to get up. There are tables up here and tables in the back. There has been tables that have been prepared for you.